There's an art. There's an art to swearing, Jack Packett. I agree with you, and I think that the more you can elongate uh, the the vowels of bitch, uh, the better it is. Bitch! I agree, you fuck! Uh, hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast that comes after Slightly Civil War. Shit! I said all those swears and didn't realize I was being recorded. What if my children see this? What if my innocent little pure-hearted doggy sees this? I don't think you're a bitch, Toffee. (laughs) Oh, look at that. There's a tiny sweater on your dog. Yes, someone pointed out that chihuahuas can get quite cold in the winter. So I invested in a woolly sweater and see how thankful he is. He's saying, thank you for my sweater. Thank you for my sweater. I love it very much. This is uh, all incentive to watch the video portion of this podcast. If you just listen to it, this is very confusing to you. Well, I'm sure they can imagine it. In fact, that's a, that's a fun game. If you're just listening to the SoundCloud podcast, why not draw a picture of what you're imagining is happening with me Ooh. and my dog right now? And then you can, go to the vid- you can go to the video and see how right you were. <laughs> let's move in to achievements oh must we we As I said this debate this debate goes back a bit because uh i remember everyone was talking about the value of achievements back when the xbox 360 started doing it mm-hmm. but uh, you can't argue with results they're certain they certainly create a lot of engagement and basically everyone does them now yeah yeah, even even if it's something just as simple as you beat this level, you beat this level, you beat the game. Oh, I hate that. And yes, those are bullshit achievements. Yeah, because just having beaten the level and subsequently the game should be the register right. of your achievement there. For, to my mind, a good achievement is one that um, sort of takes you by surprise as a funny joke. Yes. Like... Um, if you play the first Assassin's Creed, for example, and you throw enough beggars into walls, you can get an achievement that's called something like Friend of the Downtrodden. <laughs> and that's fun. That's a fun achievement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like the little secret achievements. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like one per level and then one big one at the end. Yeah, no, that's lazy. That's lazy achievements. Uh, though, though those can be like the gateway achievements. I guess, I guess, because achievements ultimately is just another way to keep people playing for 100% completion. Yes. Your game's not done until you've got all the achievements. Well, and, you know, especially in this day of things like roguelikes, achievements can be a great way of understanding when you actually are done with the game. Well, um, it's certainly true there's a lot of games where it's unclear when you're done. Mm-hmm. Open world games as well, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And so achievements can be a good milestone. I guess you're done when story campaign is done. Yeah. But a lot of the time there's no no real reason to, like, find all the hidden collectibles, like the flags in the first Assassin's Creed, except that there's an achievement for it. Yeah, I mean, like, to me it's it's just a way of extending something you enjoy. Like, I know uh, for a modern-day open-world game like Ghost of Tsushima, I went back and 100%ed it just because I enjoyed the game so much. And so I did. I went back. I found all the flags. I found all of the meditation ponds. I found all of the sword things. I, I, did, I went back through the entire game and found everything. As a game designer, Jack, I kind of disapprove 
of playing to 100% completion. I feel like uh, the best achievement is something that's integrated into the core loops of the design. Mm-hmm. I think what I would do to like encourage 100% completion is if every like little achievement, if every little thing you pick up gives you a small amount of money or XP. Okay. And then when you finish like the main campaign or whatever, you have you add something to the in-game store that costs like a million billion XP. Like you'd need to unlock everything in the game to afford this one thing. Mm-hmm. And that one thing is just it just completely destroys the game. <laughs> like <laughs> like like if if Ghost of Tsushima had a jetpack with a flamethrower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was just something that like turns the whole thing into this complete cathartic revenge fest. Yes, or some other way to really like play off uh, the the gameplay as it's as it's been established. It, it would vary depending on what the game is. Sure, but you, what you're saying is instead of instead of achievement, something that allows you a victory lap in the a, game, a reward, exactly. Yes. I always think that would be my formula for the best way to win sandbox games. Story campaign and then add thing to the shop that destroys the game. Mm-hmm. And then you can fuck around with the game for a while, as much as you like. <laughs> burn it all to the ground if you want. Yeah. And then at some point, um, maybe for another for another additional cost, you could press a big button labeled blow up universe. Ooh. And that would cause everything to explode in dazzling sparks. <laughs> and then you can just restart the game from scratch if you feel like it. Ooh, I like it. I like it. I know. Uh, I guess you know what comes to mind is the uh, the motorbike in Breath of the Wild. While that mm. didn't break the game, unlocking the motorbike after you do all of the DLC challenges, it definitely made me like got me a couple extra hours of the game just so I could ride the motorbike entirely around the map. There you go. Mm-hmm. I feel like. 100% completion stuff, your brain has to do the work because when you finally get the last one, mm-hmm. half the time, the game itself doesn't really mark it. It just says 100% on the menu. Yeah. And there's no there's no real reward. It's just done for its own sake. Yeah, well, and I, I guess, like, going back to Ghost of Tsushima, like, I definitely, like, I hit that point where I was done with the story. I was done having fun with it. I just... I just felt like I wanted a little more time, but the game was done. So I was just doing it to tick off the boxes in my head. It wasn't necessarily fun. Right. Yeah. So, so yes, I'm, I guess I'm agreeing with you that not all achievements are great, though I do like achievements in general. I, I, like, I like looking back at a game and saying, oh, I did that, I did that. Well, I suppose... This is one of those things one would apply to Doug Stanhove's marriage test, which is, if it didn't exist, would you invent it? Mm. That was that was his routine about marriage. If marriage as a legal concept didn't exist, mm-hmm. would you invent it? <laughs> I find it's a useful question to ask about a lot of things in life. Mm. I I feel like I would. I would. You would? I would uh, invent achievements as some kind of fun thing to do within a game but is it fun is it fun or is it just rodent brain holding the attention distractions here's here's my argument for the fun is spelunky uh the first spelunky game 
um, had, you know, it, it had an ending, but it is a roguelike. So you can reach the ending, but then they also had achievements for reaching the end of the game within 10 minutes. They had another achievement for reaching the end of the game with over a million gold. And so that gave me incentive not only to replay the game, but to play it in a drastically different way, multiplying the fun quotient incalculably. Well, that's a good example, as you say, because it gives gives you incentive to play in a different way, to explore Mm. different styles, to find um, new experiences, in other words. Mm Mm-hmm. Because often I'll look at um, people who go out of their way to get 100% completion in everything. And I feel like if you ask, if you put the question to them, are you having fun? A lot of them would say, no, but I got to do it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And as, as someone who deals a lot personally with obsessive tendencies, uh, I can see an argument for like achievements playing on obsessive tendencies. Mm. So yes, there there is possibly a downside, um, or no, sorry, there is a very real downside to them. I don't know if that's being necessarily exploited by game developers, but I do think there is enough fun. Uh, you know, un- speaking of another roguelike is something like the Binding of Isaac, which incorporated their in- achievements with unlockables within the game. Well, that's yeah. That's another thing that changes the experience, mm-hmm. which is which is good. I think. Yeah, I suppose this is a another mealy mouthed "it depends" argument. Some people want that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work on others. Like <laughs> me, I'm perfectly content to drop a game even if I haven't hundred percented it, mm-hmm. just because um, I got to the end of the campaign. Yeah, but I'm a, I'm a story focused. I'm a narrative specialist, game mm-hmm. critic. I believe in uh, video games as a storytelling medium, mm-hmm. and I would only uh, pursue a gameplay challenge to the end of getting some kind of story result. Sure. Like um, grinding through all those dungeons in Persona 4 so I could make myself more powerful, so I could more easily get to the good story ending <laughs> on like my second run through. Sure. Sure. I'm trying to think like, what what did I have here? I had, this wasn't necessarily for Slightly Civil War, but I was doing a lot of research into, um, into achievements as a metric for how many people have completed the game, have completed any given game. That is kind of useful if you've released games on Steam, because mm-hmm. uh, I've released the games on Steam and I've, and it's got achievements that yeah. I came up with. And there's a, like a little digest that will tell you what percentage of players have gotten each achievement. Mm-hmm. So if you got one achievement for like winning the game, then you immediately you can look at that and say fifty percent of players have won the game. Mm-hmm. Is this information we need to act upon? Probably sure. not, unless it's like five percent of players have finished the game. That probably is information you should probably act upon, because <laughs> that's not a good ratio. Right. Right. Well, and I was looking. I was looking at Dark Souls because I'm I'm currently uh, doing another playthrough of Dark Souls One. That I would be curious about. How many people who have played Dark Souls? Because I'm assuming there's a lot of people who heard it was popular mm-hmm. and uh, bought it from the hype. Oh yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, didn't realize what a punishing and alternative experience it is 
to the usual AAA gobshite. So uh, what is the percentage of um, people beating Dark Souls? Uh, I'm going to give you a number that's even more interesting than the amount of people who have beaten Dark Souls. Uh, and so okay. uh, using Steam analytics, uh, approximately just under – so just under but approximately 2 million people bought Dark Souls Prepare to Die edition on Steam. Mm-hmm. Okay, 2 million sales. The amount of people, there is an achievement in Dark Souls for acquiring the Estus Flask, which is one of the first things you do in the game. It is your healing item for anyone who has not played Dark Souls. But it's not immediately obvious how to get it. It's not immediately it's, obvious how to get it. It's correct. not right in your path. You have to, there's a, like a boulder comes down some stairs, it smashes through a wall. Mm-hmm. You have to go through the hole it makes and talk to a dying dude. And he gives you the Estes flask. Sure. Well, okay. So that so there's two early game achievements, right? One is receiving the Estes flask, and two is arriving in Lordran, which which happens very naturally. Well, there's a boss fight between those two things. There is a boss fight, and so um, calculating, <laughs> uh, if you had to take a guess, two million people bought Dark Ooh. Souls. How many, what's what's the percentage of people that obtained the healing item needed in the game? Okay, let me think about this. Like I said, it wasn't obvious. There were a lot of people who don't bought the game on the strength of its reputation but didn't quite get it. Yep. Um, hmm. And I know it's like, it's slightly skewed because, of course, I say it's an interesting number. And so, like, you right. know it's going to be something, you know. Right. <laughs> so of all the people who bought the game and actually played it and just let it sit there in the library. Right. I'm going to say 40%. Ooh, very pessimistic of you. Uh, 66% of players acquired the Estes Flask. Okay. I was, um, yeah, as I say. But then uh, it was the Prepare to Die edition, wasn't it? Yes. The latest Steam version. I'd be interested to know what the original console release. Mm, exactly. Uh, and un- unfortunately, those, on that. those numbers are less available. But, you know, like any game, the uh, Dark Souls achievements, you know, go down in percentage the further you go uh, yeah, into yeah. the game. Right. So 66% find the Estus Flask. And now you're asking me how many people proceeded to then beat the Undead Asylum and go to Lordran. Right. Okay. Is it like a percentage of those 66%? Or, or, uh... <laughs> well, the, the number goes down, obviously. Yeah, I see, I see it. <laughs> the number goes down. All right. Well, the Estes Flask, as I say, it's not really immediately obvious, but mm. it is fairly easy to find comparatively. And getting through a, the first boss fight in that game is another matter entirely. That's true. So what I'm going to say, the 66% of people who find the Estes Flask... That gets pared down to 40%. <laughs> that number. I'm just, fix, I'm just fixated on that number this morning. 40% uh, will come into play, but not quite yet. Actually, so uh, we go just down to 62%. We, oh. we lose a significant number of people <laughs> Man, in between I'm really the bad two. At this. I'm really bad at this game. Right. But okay. uh, what's what's the next milestone? So, uh, the next milestone is uh, is ringing the bells. 
Ringing, uh, aha. Ah, and of, both of, bells? Well, you know, uh, so each bell is its own achievement. Obviously, the undead church is usually where people go first, and then yeah. Quaylog is the second, and it, I will the, the hint I will give you is it shows in the yeah. stats. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so presumably the, the number of people who get the ringing the bell achievement is a bit lower mm-hmm. than 62%. And the number of people who ring Quaylog's bell is even lower than that. Correct. You are correct. And we already know that just over half of the people who have played this game have even gotten out of the intro area, the tutorial area. This is fun. (laughs) Um, Okay. 62% uh, beat the undead asylum demon. Mm -hmm. But getting to the first bell of awakening is an even bigger ask. Yes. beating the asylum demon. You have to go through Undead Berg, you have to beat the Taurus demon, you have to mm-hmm. beat the gargoyles. Yeah, you have to na- and and you have to navigate there correctly because you could also end up in three other locations. <laughs> yeah. Even more if you were silly enough to get the master key on your first <laughs> run through. <laughs> right. So it's quite an ask. All right. So as we say, it's quite an ask. So I'm going to say that the percentage of people who got from the Filing Shrine to the First Bell of Awakening is 40%. Now you're getting close. Uh, We are at 41% of players rang the First Bell. Yes. 40%. Wins out. 40, 40 finally 41. did it. 41%. 40, 41%. Hmm, well, not so, quite at 40%. So, by the way, like, if you think about these numbers, like, 2 million is, is like, a that's a, a strong sales number as far as Steam sales are concerned. Yeah. Less than a million now have yeah. re- have gotten to the first bet, like, when the game really starts. <laughs> it would be um, 800,000 now? Yeah. From 2 million? About. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a lot of people missing out. That is a but lot. You know, yeah, I remember um, when I first played Dark Souls, I never got to the first Bell of Awakening because mm-hmm. that was around the time I like I gave up and said, "No, that's too hard." And I only came back to Dark Souls later when I had, when I had someone when I watched some Let's Plays that established to me mm. how to use all the mechanics that are really badly explained in that game. <laughs> right. So. Next question was, who rings the second bell of awakening? Yes. Okay. So now, um, so we're already under half of the players ring one of the bells. And of course, this is, we're still in the first act of the game. Well, even in like really easy AAA games, like something like only 20% of people actually finish them. That's true. That's true. A lot of people just play it for a bit and realize they don't like it. And move on with their lives. Yep. So getting through Blight Town, getting past the um the Ooh, gaping tons dragon. Of, tons of shit you have to get past. You get yes. to get to Quelag's Bell, you have to you have to fight the um The Capra Demon. Capra Demon, yep. name the bugger, thank you. I literally Capra- have just been playing this, so it's fresh in my head. <laughs> It's always fresh in my head. I've played it like a million times. Oh, yeah, sure. Capra Demon, you have to go through the depths. Yeah, oh, you God. To, actually, you, find, you have to find the key to Lower Undead Berg first, which is a bit tricky in itself. That's true. 
Because I remember that was like one of the, my early issues was I'd beat, I'd rung the first bell and I was like, well, what the fuck do I do now? <laughs> Not realizing I was supposed to go to one easily missed door. Yep. Because that I now had the key for to go to Lower Undead Burg. Mm-hmm. So you go to there, you have to beat the Capra Demon, you have to go into the depths. Depths are probably the first like major ramp up of difficulty. It's, it's suddenly yes. very dark, very enclosed. All the rats, the the big eyed creatures that will kill you by breathing on you. Yeah. Give you that give you that curse status effect, which was really unfair. <laughs> <laughs> Nerfed that a bit in the later Dark Souls games, mm-hmm. thankfully. And um, and it's a bit maze-like as well, those sewers. Absolutely. It's very easy to get uh, alienated. And then after manage all that, beat the gaping dragon, which isn't that hard. It's just quite, it's just kind of tanky. And it's it's but, intimidating. It's an. In- but it's I think th- if you did, if you got as far as the gaping dragon and you saw it, you guy, you'd, you'd probably be like, if you were me, you would like, well, shit, this game's getting good again. <laughs> By the way, I'm totally like the gaping dragon is the first like truly monstrous, impressive boss of Dark Souls, right? It's pretty crazy. Up to then, you've what have you dealt with? The asylum demon, the yeah, uh, tourist demon, yeah. a couple of big lads. The gape, the gaping dragon is the first really big lad. Well, and as far as like creature design, I mean, just for my personal taste, where it's yeah, like, yeah. oh it's my a, god, a dragon made of a mouth. <laughs> certainly not generic minotaur or demon strife. Right. You've been fighting up to that point. That is definitely the point when your interest in the game would probably be sparked anew mm. if you'd gotten that far. Interesting. But then, of course, defeat Gaping Dragon and you've got to get through Blight Town, which is not only one of the most <laughs> annoying parts of the game, it's also a, the part that causes the most technical issues with the game. That's Fans true. have frequently lovingly referred to it as Lag Town. <laughs> I, yep, I could see that. I could see that. And it's really hard to know where the bonfires are there. It's really hard to tell where you're supposed to go when you get to the poison swamp. Mm-hmm. It's just deadly poison everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. And eventually you figure out you have to get to Quailag, which isn't, which is behind a bunch of rock-throwing monsters. Okay, um, so we've got 41% got around the first bell. Mm-hmm. Oh, and but at that point you're kind of into the game. Get the gaping <laughs> dragon that renews your spark. Get through Blight Town, so it would obviously be less. I'm going to say that from 41 percent, it goes down to 40 percent. Ooh, uh, a, this is uh, this is our last. Here's here's the little hint I'll give to you. This is the last big drop. Like bigger than one percent. Yes, bigger than 1%. Okay, okay. non-facetious answer. Um, <laughs> big drop. This is, our, this is our last, what I'm going to consider, big drop, which is, which is, again, where the numbers get really interesting as far as achievements are concerned. Okay, I'm going to say 30%. Ooh, and that's much closer. Uh, we, we go from 41% to 33%. Ah, one wonderful. third of players only a third of players defeat Quelog and are able to ring the second bell slightly higher than i'd have thought just hmm. goes to show the strangely magnetic quality of dark souls <laughs> well and and to me that's where the numbers get super interesting because from there on we're we're at a solid 
you know, 20 percent ish. Like we go from 30, you know, obviously the numbers still go down. I'm, I'm looking at it vertically, but the numbers still mm. go down. But for the rest of the game, we're, we're at we're in the high teens to low 20s as far as percentage is, is, is concerned. Right. OK, so what's the next? I guess the next milestone will be getting to Anor Londo. Yeah, correct. Correct. OK, so we're at 33 percent for Quaylog. Right. So after you've run the second Bell of Awakening, that opens Sen's Fortress. Mm-hmm. And actually, the game gets kind of a bit more straightforward at this point. That's true. It, there's a cutscene tells you specifically where to go. It's not like all that get to the depths, go through Blighttown horrors. Mm-hmm. It's just get to the top of this Tower of Traps, which is a fairly linear route. It's and, not that maze-like. And it's and then, it's relatively uh, short, Relatively short, and um, there's a boss at the top who's not particularly interesting, but not particularly hard. Mm-hmm. Um, Iron Golem for yeah. those keeping track. Yeah. So I'm going to say I'm going to say it's not a big drop. I'm going to say it's not going to be a big drop. You are correct. We get to Anorlando. Yeah. Uh, so we went from 33. percent Let's say. Well, let's keep it round. Let's just say 30. percent you, that's right on the money. Right, right on, on the money, money 30%. 30%. <laughs> I'm getting better at the game. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and you know, like I, I think like by the time what, – what the data is showing me here is by the time you ring that second bell, you – that's when people understand the game. Is like, Well, you got to bloody hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Well, because like I said, that's really when you see the the curve smooth out a lot. You know, just dropping three percent. Yeah, or if you get to that point, points, yeah. after a certain point in Dark Souls, the challenge and like the level of difficulty of the enemies does sort of level out because mm-hmm. your upgrade path sort of as as you level up less frequently and uh, focus more on weapon upgrading, the, mm. the challenge remains fairly stable. You can get. If you've got like a plus 10 weapon at around this point in the game, that'll probably see you through the whole rest of the game. Sure. But, I mean, experience. even getting a plus 10 weapon. Um, well, yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, only <coughs> 14% of people uh, have ever crafted a plus 10 weapon in Dark Souls Ooh. 1. <coughs> Very small Man. amount of people. Man. I must be uh, extremely special because I've <laughs> done that several times and crafted boss weapons to boot. Ooh, hold on. <clears throat> is there is there a boss weapon? I don't know if I've ever crafted a boss weapon in Dark Souls 1. It's unnecessarily complex. You kind of have to have a guide to do it. You need like a plus 10 version of a specific kind of sword. Right. Before you can fuse it with like a boss soul. My hot tip though, if like me you favor lighter rolly builds... It's worth investing in Quelag's Fury Sword. Ooh. You just need like a plus ten scimitar on Quelag's soul, and it it's uh, it does fire damage and it's pretty good base damage, and it'll probably see you through to the end. Mm. Oh, are don't they, use it, it. Don't use it on lava monsters, though. Although interestingly, it, the Demon Fire Sage in um, the Demon Ruins is weak to fire. Really? Yes. Huh. It sounds odd, I know, but he is. Hmm. It would would that be considered an occult weapon? Um, no, I think occult is its own thing. Oh, okay, I don't I don't see an achievement for making a boss weapon. Oh, by the way, I guess I guess it's not essential. Oh, hmm, I'm but, so sorry. Yeah, that's my favorite uh, boss weapon to use. 
Sure. Be Quaylag's Fury Zord. Mm-hmm. Check it out. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, so, so everything kind of evens out from there. Is right. is what I so would it's say. A much, it's a much um, shallower reduction. Exactly. In the percentages, I would assume. Exactly. So after after basically now, like I think we're at, at the point of, of this game where I want to to jump to the end is is you know get to the get to the punch. So like you know for example we go from thirty percent to twenty eight percent as far as acquiring the Lord Vessel. Well, you have to get past Ornstein and Smile for that one. Exactly. That's, that's the big tough boss fight <laughs> in the middle of the game. Exactly. Well, and you have to get through like that, like high rise act and all the painted guardians and you know, mm. just fucking the those um the knights, the those goddamn knights shooting yeah. bows and arrows at you. Uh, yeah, those assholes. Right. But yeah, that's uh, in line with what I'm expecting at this point. Yep. And so then, uh, you know, the next big bot, like getting to like Gravelord Nido would be. Well, it's, it's, it's weird at this point because once you get the Lord Vessel, you can choose where you go. That's right. So some people will go for the Duke's Archives first. Some people will go for the Tomb of the Giants first. Some people will go for uh, New Londo Ruins, the Four mm-hmm. Kings. So I would imagine it spreads out quite a bit at this point. You, right, and so like so, the, but the next milestones then would be the four Lord Souls. Right? Oh, okay, getting all four of them. Yeah. Well, well, each has their own. They're all within a couple percentage points of each other. Yeah, I mean, some are uh, easier than others. Yeah, I mean, if you, it's fairly obvious what route you take through the Demon Ruins to get to the Bed of Chaos. It's not so obvious hmm. how to get the um, the Covenant Ring, so you can fight the four kings, <laughs> right? No, and that area is is its own special hell because there's no bonfire in there. What I will say is uh, the achievement that people have the least percentage of is Gravelord Nido. Yeah, he tends to get forgotten. He, yes, uh, the, he he's very very close to the Four Kings though. So Gravelord Nido and Four Kings are our lowest achievement on the next step. We were at so Lord Vessel is twenty eight percent. What do we jump down to for the harder of the boss souls? We were at 28 for the Lord Vessel. So you're asking me, like, like what order most people take the four Lord Souls in? Ooh, sure, yeah, we can do that. Because I assume it would, like, like go down a bit for each one. Yeah, yeah, and you are correct. Okay, so I'm going to say, of the four Lord Souls, the one that most people get... Bed of Chaos? You are correct. Wow. Hey. And you know, if I were guessing blindly, I would guess that Seath the Scaleless would be the first. See, I wouldn't. That's a bit of a more of a roundabout hmm. sort of route. I think Better Chaos is a fairly straight run. And you are correct. That's what most people uh, get the most of. That's and what it's we can do there. Uh, scarcely a boss fight at all, mm. the Better Chaos. Right. But to be fair, so is Seath. <laughs> Well, you still have to fight him in the traditional sense. <laughs> Touche. All right. So presumably it's uh, Seath is the next one. Correct. Uh, Seath is the next one. So Chaos Servant, by the way, we are at uh, we're at 25%. So we've Bit dropped Chaos 3%. Chaos is 25? Yep. Okay. And then uh, Seath the Scale, uh, uh, 23? 23%. You are correct. 23%. All yeah. right. That was a completely a guess. 
So assuming it's going on the same pattern, so who's next? There's ne- you said Nito was the lowest, right? So Nito is the lowest. Next one would be four kings. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to say 21%. Uh, both both the four kings and Gravelord Nito. Um, so four kings are 22.9% and Nito is 22.8%. Huh. Yes. So I guess most, pe- I guess most people who've gotten to that point generally do both. Uh, you would assume so. Like the the crazy thing to me here is that like uh, 27% get the abyss walking ring. So like 27% of players know how to get to the four kings, but only 22.9% actually go there. Hmm. Isn't, that, isn't that crazy? I, maybe they get demoralized after they killed the great wolf <laughs> Sif. Right. Who is an adorable puppy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, if you leave Four Kings and Nito to last, then they're pretty <gasps> easy peasy. Oh, you know what? I am absolutely wrong, by the way. Oh, no. I read this incorrectly. At 25% is just discovering the Chaos Servant Covenant. Okay. Oh, okay. I think that's the one where you uh, feed humanity to Quelag's sister. Yes, you are correct. So that's at 25%. Uh, so by the way, the Bed of Chaos? Incidentally, that's a popular non-PVP covenant because by going with that covenant, you can save Solaire. Oh, yes. yes that's right. If if you feed the uh, Quelog's sister, uh, what is it, 30 humanity? Yeah, She'll feed, open her, yeah. feed her 30 humanity, you can open a shortcut to uh, Lost Isolith. Right. You can kill the monster that would have killed Solaire. Mm-hmm. And then Solaire lives, and you can summon him for the final boss. That's right. He lives, but he's not happy about it. Well, you know, a lot of us live and aren't happy about it, but, yeah. you know. That's true. Suck it up, asshole. Uh, but I guess what I'm saying here is the Bed of Chaos is actually the least played of the four Lord Souls. I was completely wrong. You were, and I'm so sorry for reading that incorrectly. Uh, that the bed of chaos jumps way down to twenty two point one percent. Well, geez, that throws me for a loop. Yeah, I was saying this. I was saying this whole time it was probably the easiest. I I suppose Lord Soul. If you think about it, you get to after after Quaylog. You yeah. ring you ring the bell and you see the lava, but you've also ring rung the second bell, so you would usually zip back up to uh Seth's fortress, right? Yeah, but you just saw all that like intriguing lava caverns extending below you thinking, Oh, I gotta go back and explore <laughs> that goes, them. That goes right out your head, man, because like you know, then you got uh on a, or you have uh uh Lundor, you have you have uh Gwyneth you have that fight. You have all this other crap. You forget about the lava. I think you'd go back to the lava before you went back to the skeleton graves under Filing Shrine. Mm, maybe. But uh, apparently, by the way, no. Apparently, no, you don't. <laughs> well, I've been made a monkey of. <laughs> Me thinking I know so much about Dark Souls. Yep. You know a lot about Dark Souls. You don't know a lot about players, apparently. All right, so what percentage gets as far as... Beating the bed of chaos. Uh, that's 22%. 22.1% to be specific. Who? But 22. Okay. Well, by then, the game's pretty much over. 
Um, right. So then the only the only thing left to do is, is defeat uh, Gwyn. Is to defeat Gwyn, correct? And so, okay. well, hold on. Let me look at hear this number. I want to like ask about a couple of very obscure, specific things in Dark Souls that you don't have to do, and see how Absolutely. many people get around to them. And and as a reminder, this is only covering uh, achievements in the Steam version of Dark Souls Prepare to Die Edition, not Remastered right, right. Edition. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hold on. For by a the second. time of Remastered, surely everyone knows how to get through Dark Souls. <laughs> everyone who bought the remastered edition would be if, would have been familiar with Dark Souls. In fact, you know what? I'm going to look up the Steam achievements for Dark Souls remastered edition, Ooh. and we can see how they compare. And we can compare. And by the way, and I know this is a bit of a tangent as far as the podcast is concerned, but this is the fun part of achievements. <laughs> it's I like su- digging I, through the data. I, I suppose I'm having fun. I, I think it's. I think this data. kind of stuff is incredibly interesting. Like how people drop off of a game. I suppose that's interesting just from a, like an analytical perspective. I, I, I think it is. I, I hope people are enjoying listening to this because I think this is super, super fascinating. Um, okay, so wait, what's – I guess – I don't know if they don't have – I don't think they have like a defeat Gwyn. They have like different endings. Ah, yeah. Achievements. Well, that, mess, that messes with our stats, doesn't it? It does. But I suppose uh, we – because really there's only two endings, right, in Dark Souls? Yeah. There's there's choosing to link the fire and choosing not to link the fire. Right. Right? So, um, well, I'm looking at the stats for the remastered edition, and it seems on this one at least, uh, linking the fire is by quite a margin the more popular of the two endings. Yes, and the, the, it's similar to this one. That is very similar to this one, which is uh, okay. So, uh, yeah. So I'll we'll say to link the fire, which is defeating the final boss of Dark Souls and picking an ending. Okay. You you have remastered. Okay. Yeah. I have prepared to die edition, which was the first PC release of Dark Souls One. All right. So I am going to assume that your number is higher than my number because more people knew what Dark Souls was when Remastered came out. Yeah, all all the stats on the Remastered version, are sig- the percentages are significantly higher there than the ones go. you've given me. Gotcha. Gotcha, okay. gotcha. So, like, for you, let's go back to um, defeating the Bed of Chaos. What's your percentage? Well, why don't we finish off this, the percentages on your end? Okay, and sure. We'll go through them again from my end. All right. So here it is to link the fire. Yachts, this is the percentage of people that defeated the game and chose to link the fire. I'm going to say 15%. 15.8%. Hey! You are absolutely well, guess, correct. Yeah. In fact, there's another ending kind of messes with that, but that kind of tells us that 15% of people who've played Dark Souls completed it. Uh, well, and I assume uh, the the achievement called Dark Lord is not linking the fire. Yes. Uh, and we have about 10%. Yeah. And so 15 plus 10%. Well, that's misleading, isn't it? Because um, some people will like replay the game. Sure, sure, sure. To and get, get to both. see both endings. 
Well, uh, so maybe we could take like uh Ooh, I suppose you're right. Ooh. I don't think we need a more competent mathematician to figure this yeah, out. Yeah. You are probably correct. But but still, like e- even if we do add them, we're still in that 20% range and I think you're right that we can't necessarily add them. But what so what is what's 15% of 2 million is uh, 150,000. Well, uh, 15% of a million would be 150,000. So it would be half of that. Or twice that. Yes, twice that. <laughs> so it's so uh, so out of the 2 million people that bought Dark Souls Prepare to Die edition, about 300,000 finished it. You know, that's still kind of more than I'd expect, but then I'm a pessimist. <laughs> well, we we have to assume that the number is slightly below that because of people doing multiple endings. Yeah. But fascinating, fascinating stuff. Like that is a that is a small number of people who have gotten a significant way in Dark Souls. And I think that's really, really interesting. Crazy. Right. Well, and like you said, this this tracks along just about every single game. If you follow the achievements to any game that you play, you will notice that the number goes down and down and down with every single level. Yeah. Okay. A couple of like questions I have regarding optional things. Yeah, yeah. What are the percentage of players that find the Painted World of Ariamis and uh, encounter Crossbreed Priscilla? Because not only is that an optional area, mm-hmm. it's um, almost impossible to find if you don't know precisely how to get there. <laughs> you have to go back to the Undead Asylum by a very arcane method. Yeah, oh god. You have to find, <laughs> you have, you have to you, find the peculiar doll. First you, you have, have to, to know to go to the nest. And <laughs> yeah. And then you have to know that the pecu- that if you have the peculiar doll, you can go up to the painting in Anorlando, mm-hmm. and you get and you access this whole other area and whole other boss fight that you wouldn't have found otherwise. That's absolutely right. Um, the def- only achievement on the remastered list is the achievement for killing Crossbreed Priscilla, which is probably and- misleading because you don't have to kill her to get through the area. Uh, and it's the same uh, for this one, where it's only people who have defeated Crossbreed Priscilla. But what I would assume is anyone who made it in there would kill her. Because why wouldn't you? I tended not to. She oh, really? Her, she was minding her own business. She seemed nice. Eh, it's it's more shit to sell. It's more souls. <laughs> well, maybe I have more of a conscience about fictional characters. That's probably very true. Okay, uh, so I'm, I'm, okay, so the percentage of players that defeated Crossbreed Priscilla in the original... Prepared to die edition. Yes. I'm going to say... Hmm, would it be less than the percentage of people who actually finished the game? Interesting, right? Because you are absolutely right. One, it's crazy hard to get to. Two, yeah, finishing it's... Finishing the game is crazy hard as well. Right. It's, cr- it's incredibly optional, and it's doubly optional to defeat Crossbreed Priscilla. Okay. I'm going to say it's going to be around um, 20% still. Mm, interesting. You are close. What, so What is it? Just tell uh, me. It is 18%. Oh, 
So more people defeated, like more people found the nest, curled up like an egg, were transported back to the original area, found the doll, came back to this area, found the painting, and defeated the boss, then defeated the entire game. (laughs) More people, yeah. Okay, well that's interesting. Mm. Let me let me tell you about some of the stats here. All right, I'm ready for the remastered version. Yeah, yeah. Because so reminders reminders the difference between acquiring the Estes flask and reaching Lordran. Mm. Absolutely, and and this is where things will get really really fascinating because the remastered edition came out after the after Dark Souls was popular. Yeah. So remind me how many people re- acquired the Estes flask in the original. All right, 66 people acquired the Estes Flask, and only yep. 62 reached Lordran. Can I blow your mind with these stats? Well, why don't you take a guess, actually? How many people acquired the Estes Flask in the remastered version, and how many reached Lordran? Fuck. Fuck, fuck. Oh, because, okay, everybody knew. Everybody knew about, like, how great Dark Souls is. Well, most uh, people. Most people. Uh, so I'm going to say... It, Okay, my rough guess is above 80% got the Estes Flask. I'm going to say 90, 90% got the Estes Flask. 94.1% got the Estes Flask. Uh, nice. Now how, now, how did that drop off for reaching Lordran? Oh, fuck. Now, uh, so 94 got the Estes Flask? 0.1. I'm going to say it just drops down to 93% gets to, new, gets to uh, Lordran. 92.1%. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because people okay. knew. People knew now. Now. Okay. <laughs> I want to say the next one is Ring the Bell in the Undead Church. I want to say this is the biggest percentage drop that I'm seeing. Sure. Sure. That would make sense as everyone's like, okay, yeah, I know this game is hard, but now they're understanding how hard. So we go from 92% down to. You know, I think a lot of people like bought the game because they remembered it and then started playing it and then went, oh, actually, I've played this game so many times I can't be bothered, and then just stopped. 78%. 71. Ooh. 71%. That is a of, huge drop. That's a 20% drop. As I say, it's the biggest one. That is a giant drop. So, okay. how far does it drop when it comes to ringing the bell in Quaylag's domain? Wait, so that was 71%? Yeah, we're at seventy-one percent of players ringing the undead church bell. So then it goes down to like sixty-eight percent for ringing for Quaylag's bell. Yeah, fifty-eight percent. Fuck you! No way! <laughs> yeah. How? Uh, as I say, people probably like drop out when they get to Blighttown and think, "Oh, I've played this before. I can't be bothered anymore." <laughs> Or, or for new players, you know, who heard all the memes about Blight Town finally getting to uh, play it themselves, go fuck this. Yeah. All right. So all right. we're we're already down to half the players. Well, just over fifty eight. Yeah, but and but for for Prepare to Die Edition, only thirty three percent got mm. to Quail. You know, did Quailog's Bell. Interesting. Interesting. Wow, we're gonna we're gonna probably like overrunning quite a bit, but oh, who fucking cares? Okay. This is fascinating, man. Okay, this is- <laughs> let's, knock, let's knock these out. Uh, okay. Reaching an Orlando. 
How far does it go down for reaching an Orlando? All right, that was a pretty short drop uh, in mine. So if it's 58%, I'm going to say only 55%. It's 53%. Okay, okay. 53.9, close to 54, really. All right, all right. So 54, and then Lord Vessel. Yep. I'm saying still above 50, somewhere between 50 and 54. Oh, it's it's just above 50. It's 50.6. Okay, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> so about half players get the Lord Vessel. All right, that's pretty darn good. And and this is a really interesting case in how players' expectations and by this time the community around Dark Souls was also yeah. had a ton of information, right? So, yeah. so now we're seeing the effects of expectations and community which is really really fascinating (laughs) so let's hop down to art of abyss walking how many players acquire the art of abyss walking and in order to get the art of abyss walking you need to beat uh the puppy right yeah you have to beat sif yeah which means like making your way through the forest buying entry into the forest beating sith um sif sorry not there's there's sef there's sif there's seath um there's a lot of that sort of thing Right. Okay, so we were at just at 50% for the Lord Vessel. Art of Abyss Walking, I'm going to say, goes down significantly. I'm going to jump all the way down to like 42, 43%. 46, 46.6. Now, interestingly, the four Lord Souls are all pretty, I mean, yeah, there is like a difference, but they're all hovering around the same point, really. Okay. The highest one is 39.8 and the lowest is 38.4. Okay, sure. So at that point, everyone knew what they were getting into. They were they were in it to yeah. win it. Yeah. So most people got all four. Again, Bed of Chaos was the least got one. That was a thirty-eight point four one. Okay. So then then we go from thirty-eight point four percent of people got all four Lord Souls, and for for me, linking the fire dropped from twenty-two percent for Bed of Chaos to fifteen point eight. So I'm going to say if we're at 38, we're going to drop all the way down to 32% for Linking the Fire. Linking the Fire, 24%. Shut it. And then what's... Quite a big drop. What's your um, Dark Lord? Dark Dark Lord is 16%. So 16 plus 20. Okay, I guess that kind of makes... And that that goes along with our whole, like, it's kind of fucked because there's two different endings, right? Yeah, kind of messes with things. Where do we count that as one thirty six percent? Because that would be right in line with people who defeated the four boss souls, mm. or do we count it as multiple people playing the game twice? Interesting. Who knows? Interesting. Uh, and what was the order of popularity for the Lord Souls on your one? It was Seath the Scaleless first, right? Um, it was Seath, Four Kings, Nido, Bed of Chaos. Uh, see, that's interesting. On my one, it's Four Kings first, mm. then Seath, then Nito, then Bed of Chaos. But as I say, there's not much between them. Uh, and, you know, pretty similar here. The, you know, a few tenths of a percentage point between yeah. them. But I, I guess, like, that would make sense because if you, if you defeat the puppy <laughs> and... Uh, you, you monster. You monster. Well, I, I like Seath makes sense because you are you're already in on Orlando, yeah, and yeah. so that's a quick that's a quick jump over to Seath. 
everyone knows about the New Londor ruins, mm-hmm. and we can't get too far into it so we know we can get into there i guess that i guess it makes sense nito is relatively hidden like if you're not looking that direction you don't know he's over there yeah you're gonna get through the tomb of giants with mm-hmm. them pit, pit black skeleton fights sure but i mean what? even then you're not necessarily looking ever you're, you don't need to ever go down in that direction so um uh, how? What percentage do you think defeated Crossbreed Priscilla in the remastered version? Uh, okay, I'm at 18.5%. To me, Crossbreed Priscilla is, you know, underneath uh, the four the four bosses. So I'm going to say I'm going to say it's similar because gamers are similar. Mm. Oh no, but they would know about it. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. So I'm going to say, what were we at? What were we at for Bed of Chaos? Thirty. 38.4% defeat the Bed of Chaos. All right, so I'm going to say Priscilla's right around like 30%, 32 maybe. Oh, nice. 32.3. Yes. Yes. Nice, nice. Interesting. I love it. To to me, like I like I just said is like is like what a what a difference this makes in such a legendarily tough game. Like now we have you we have let's plays who are teaching us how to play the game. We have a strong community. We have uh, bug fixes for the game, <laughs> right? Well, I guess we, we've we've proven there is something interesting about achievements, at least. <laughs> we can talk about this sort of thing. But one last point. Okay. One last point, because I have to walk the dog. Yeah. The least gotten achievement of all, yes. which is you got all the other achievements. Yes, yes. In, on the remastered, it's called The Dark Soul. I assume it's the same. You are yours. correct, yeah. I'm going to tell you the percent of what what the percentage is on the remastered version. Yeah. And I'm going to try to guess what the percentage was on the original version. And as a as a quick like setup to this, uh, completing the Dark Soul requires you to probably play the game 10 times as you need to get all sorceries, all pyromancies, all miracles, all rare yeah. weapons, <laughs> all all covenants, yes, all, all everything. So this would take multiple, multiple playthroughs in order to get it. What is the percentage of people who did it on uh, Remastered? It's 4.1%. Interesting. Surprisingly high. Yes. I mean, 4.1% of a million is still quite a lot of dudes. Absolutely. All okay. Right. So the original version. So the original version. Bearing in mind that only like 15% of players even finish the bloody thing. Right. Right, right. What do you got? I'm going to say it's less than 1%. You would be incorrect. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. 2.5% of players. And so if we have 2 million, what's one, what's 1% of 2 million? What's 1% of a million? <laughs> how does this, how does math work? Is that so, a thousand? Uh, I think it's a hundred thousand, isn't it? Or ten thousand? One hundred million is ten thousand. Okay, so we are talking about twenty-five thousand people decided to play this game so much that they could get all of the achievements. You know, I can believe that. Like two percent <laughs> of people are nutcases. I don't think. Although, puts things in perspective because I don't think even twenty-five thousand people bought my game. 
Well, there you go. There you go. All right. Oh, All what right. An interest, what an interesting exploration of the Dark Souls achievements this was. I really well, think so. <laughs> not really on topic, but what the well, fuck else were we going to say? Well, like I said, the, the on-topic thing for me is, like, achievements... Like, I, I will agree with you. Here's the, the button we can put on this. I will agree with you that if the achievements are solely completing levels, completing the game, they are useless. But they can provide interesting data points for us, and they can also be fun ways to make you want to explore the game more. Like, for example, if you didn't know that the painted world existed and you see an achievement for defeating crossbreed Priscilla, you'd say, who the hell is that? Like, let's say you beat the game. Yeah, that's the whole Dark Souls experience, isn't it? Exactly. You finish it, you think you finished it, Every from software game, really. And yeah. then you like look online and say, What did you think of um Castle Kanehurst in Bloodborne? And I was like, What? Oh fuck. Now I gotta figure out how to get there. Exactly. And so like there are a lot of positive aspects to achievements, is my is my button. All right, fair enough. I mean, we've had them long enough. I don't really care. Nah, okay. This was like an <laughs> arbitrary debate. To fill an hour of your life. I hope you appreciated it, everyone. You're welcome. Remember that uh, this episode, even though we talked tangentially about achievements, was based off of the Slightly Civil War, Our Achievements Good. You can watch that over on escapistmagazine.com, where you can become an Escapist Plus members and get so many benefits, including uh, watching our videos ad-free on the website and asking us creators specific questions that we can answer in long-form answers for the Ask the Creators video, or you can become a YouTube member where you get our videos a week early on YouTube and special emotes while we are live streaming. So many ways to support the shows and the channel in general. Sure are. And remember to follow us all on Twitter to know when we're putting stuff out. I'm at Yahtzee Croshaw. I'm at Harlack. You can also follow the Escapist on at Escapist Magazine or just zero punctuation on at C punctuation. Although if you follow all of them, there'll be an awful lot of overlap, I warn you now. It's really true, and we'll slightly see you later. Bye. Toffee's needs his walk. He's really frisky. He does not look like he needs a walk. (laughs) Well, tough titties, because it's time for a walk. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.